Hello folks and welcome to the Football Babble Monday night. Almost a full crowd as you can see if you're watching the video. Uh, myself, Phil, Johnny, Paddy and Brendy are here. Steve can't make it. He's uh, he's working late tonight but I'm sure he'll probably make an appearance Thursday night or be back next Monday. Loads to get into tonight. There were two Champions League draws and supposed to be one which we'll discuss. Uh, there's a lot of action coming from the weekend. All of our teams won. A couple of mad penalties, dubious penalty shots as well. And then obviously there's been a bit of an outbreak of COVID within uh, the Barclays. So we'll have to talk about that and see how possibly that could affect football going forward. Um, also, folks, you may get here on the podcast tonight. Possibly could be joined by two dogs. Uh, the, the notorious Spud up might make an appearance. No. You never know what he's going to no. be at. Oh, Spud's already seen. But Aggie the Rhinoceros, Paddy's wonderful dog, who's the best dog <laughs> in the world, may I add. She might make an appearance. So if she does, you're very lucky. Uh Oh, there's Paddy's just showing us her on the video. <laughs> she's she's a keen spectator of tonight's podcast for anyone that is watching the videos. Um, lads, we'll get into it first. Uh, the Champions League draw and that farce. What happened, uh, Johnny? I know obviously Arsenal. Let's go make a cup of tea because no, no. I want I want you to start. I'm off not involved in this, you, but you have an opinion. Um, Andrea Shavin. So Arsenal, of course, were involved. Uh, Andrea Shavin was involved in the draw that ballsed up. Um, what did you make of this whole? Because we've had a weekend where sport has, and this governing bodies around sport have made a, a right royal mess of a few things. What did you make of this draw? And then I'll get Brandy and, and Paddy's views straight after as well. And the farce right. happened. I seen Brenton right in something like that it was a farce or something like that there. So I assume Chelsea got fucked over and got somebody terrible. And oh, my iPhone started to talk. I apologize. Shush. Um, and I was actually quite happy at that stage, thinking, oh, yes, Chelsea have got PSG or something. This is great. Uh, <laughs> then it turns out they got Lille. Um, it hasn't been a, a great weekend for for sports um, officiating. Um, I mean, what do you expect? It's just a it's just a joke, isn't it? The fact that happened. Um, I didn't actually, I, wouldn't, I didn't watch the draw because obviously I have no interest in European football. I mean, it's so overrated. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, it was it was just um, it was just funny going on the Twitter and seeing things explode uh, a bit like yesterday with the Formula One. But I mean, Real Madrid won't be happy, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they got the uh, they got royally screwed over, to be honest. Um, yeah, like Brandy, and we talk about Real Madrid as well. Don uh, Florentino Perez obviously delighted. They actually put, I don't know if any of you saw this, lads. They put in a message that they wanted the draw to be redone after their game because, they, you know, they were buzzing. We up in Fika, we're not, not, we weren't involved in this. Do it again with the teams that are possibly involved. And then for it to come back out and for them to get PSG was an absolute chef's kiss of the UEFA roster. Yeah, like they they brought on themselves really doing that um because obviously you can't just start back in the middle of a draw and you know just say oh the first two i think it was the first two were fine um and then came the the fuck up like but um no that would have been absolutely ridiculous i think they would have had i mean you ever were getting enough complaints but i think they would have been absolutely bombarded had that happened um but i saw somebody making a good point that um are these not the type of games that Real Madrid want to play um, when they were promoting the Super League so heavily? They want these big games uh, between the big teams and um, they should be relishing a, a tie with, with PSG rather than um, wanting to 
keep their original draw of Benfica. So I thought that was a good point. Um, I think they'll be a big team, though. Yeah, but uh, in terms of in terms of what the the money game would attract, um, I think they were they were one of the teams who were still um, heavily involved in the Super League towards the its demise. But um, yeah, I think they seemed the most upset. Um, United too uh, weren't happy after the original draw, and they're probably maybe even more upset after this draw. Um, <laughs> the I think that there would have been the social media guys at United would have been happy to to plug that Ronaldo Messi um, story and rip the deck out of it all they could. But um, no, I think that is a, a quite a tricky tie. I mean, Atletico aren't on their best uh, run of results, but you kind of forget that this you know yeah, group of games will be played much later than now and, and teams could be in completely different form so yeah. I think that's a big thing to consider too Paddy what did you make of it and then we'll, we'll start with the new draw what did you make of obviously the, the the correct draw and Liverpool getting into Milan yeah like the original draw was very kind on on Liverpool um very kind on most English clubs really apart from apart from United um Salzburg would have been you, know, you would have fancied your chances definitely against them, but uh, fuck, Inter Inter will be good, and I know you're you're going to be lucky enough to go over to it. Like it'll be a it'll be a real spectacle and great atmosphere, and you know, yes, it'll be a harder tie, but I still think Liverpool have enough to to overcome. Is there any other tie stood out for you apart from obviously PSG and Real Madrid? I'm quite excited by Ajax um, yeah. this year. Like you know, they've they've been they've been pretty good. Um, and I was in Lisbon about six weeks ago and went to Benfica's ground. I don't know. I just thought it was pretty cool. So maybe I'd quite like to see that. I actually work with a Portuguese girl at the moment who's a massive Benfica fan too. So every uh, Monday I come into work, she fills me in on Benfica's fortune. So I think that could be a really interesting tie. And the fact that one of them will definitely be in the quarterfinal of the Champions League is is good. It's kind of I know Ajax obviously had a run uh, back in 2019, but to see teams from Portugal or Holland. Uh, you know, aside from the the big traditional powerhouses, is is kind of nice, I think, in the in the last eight. So, I think that'll be a good game. Brandy Lille uh, for Chelsea twice, actually, uh, same draw again. Happy enough? I think you have to be, yeah. Um, Lille, obviously, the French champions um, and top their group, um, but I think out of the potential opponents Chelsea could have got. Um, it's it's what you would have what you would have wanted. Um, I mean Ajax, Bayern, um, Real Madrid, or Lille were Chelsea's options, and they got Lille twice. So I think Roman must have had a word in somebody's ear um, to to pull that off. But um, uh, round of sixteen, like there's always a shock, uh, and there's all, uh, as I said, like. Uh, you know, Chelsea could be struggling with injuries again at that stage, or one of the big teams could be whatever. Um, and no way goals this year, which is obviously yeah. people forget about. It's going to be uh, completely different. Chelsea are um, at home first, so it's hard to know kind of what way to approach games. I got, I think, um, knowing that you've you've another leg that you can't, you know, pull yourself out of a hole by by just drawing, you know, score drawn or something. So. Um, 
uh, it'll be all those games will be tough enough in their own way but yeah i mean uh, let's be honest i'd much rather play Lille and play baron at this stage or ax um or I, John, or johnny for you or <laughs> last night yeah johnny for you is there is there a team in it like because I, I always find when liverpool weren't in it i would latch on to a team and i want to do well and if liverpool do get boofed out by inter milan in the last 16 i'll want i want ajax i think i said this to brandy on thursday night show i want ajax to win it this year if it's not liverpool i'd love to see it. i think that'd be brilliant so is there a team you as a neutral will want to do see do well and is it a case of all four english teams absolutely smashed to pieces in the last 16 yeah all english teams smashed to pieces <laughs> psg smashed to pieces um yeah ajax is probably a good shout um just because you know the history of that club and you know they've they've been fantastic so far in the champions league this year you know they won all their group games um and that's no mean feat like you know only liverpool done that this year as well the first english side to do that so yeah it's for me to be quite honest there's very little interest in the champions league this year bar hoping that you know no english teams win it again to be quite honest or psg um but if yeah, if I want anybody to win, it would be the B likes of Ajax or you know Benfica, something daft. I was very disappointed Ajax didn't win it. Actually, the year you won it, but when you did win it, I was quite happy you won it for different reasons. So yeah, but yeah, <laughs> Ajax was obviously be nice. Well, this quite obvious. I was away on my holidays and decided to watch that game just to be sure. So yeah, but yeah, yeah. Who who is given then is going to be make the quarterfinals? Who's gonna Paddy, go first. Who, who do you think is going to come through their ties? Lille. Do you want me to go through them quickly? Go through them, Bernie, yeah. Uh, so, PSG, Real Madrid, Sporting, Man City. I haven't really spoke about that one. Um, Salzburg, Bayern, Inter, Liverpool, Chelsea, Lille, Villarreal, Juventus, Atletico, United, Benfica, Ajax. Yeah, I think like Real Madrid will absolutely hose Salzburg. Like, that'll be one-sided affair city will completely destroy sporting um chelsea should beat lille atletico should beat united villarreal are <laughs> shite so juventus will stuff them we i don't know should... about that one you know i'll talk about that in a minute i don't know about that i don't one. know just villarreal i i think they're maybe bottom half in the league at the moment like they just don't look good um actually i know the there a couple of decent games against united like but sure they're no they're no world beaters either so I don't know. I just fancy. I know Juventus have had better seasons than this one, but yeah, I'd say that'd be too strong for Villarreal. Um, so I don't know. We'll we'll kind of we'll kind of see see how it all pans out. I think Liverpool should have enough. I think Liverpool should have enough. You you don't sound overly enthusiastic about that, to be honest, Paddy. Which is actually just you're realized supposed to be coming that game with me if you can. Who's who's playing Salzburg by the way? No, I just said Bayern, it's not. Yeah, it's Bayern. Sorry. I think um, I think it doesn't matter. Actually. They'll hose them anyway. Yeah, I I think yeah. Bayern, Ajax will beat Benfica. I think City will beat Sporting, which is a good. I know it's not. It's it's a good tie for City, but Sporting are no dozers either. Like they they won the Portuguese league. They'll give them something. Um, I think Liverpool will, we will beat Inter Milan, and I'm looking obviously looking very really forward to that. Chelsea will come past Lille. Um, I, f- I think I don't. Juventus look shite too, to be honest. Uh, and 
I don't know. I just I'll see. I, I'm going to go Villarreal for that one to be with man. Um, if Benzema is fit, Real Madrid are a real problem in Europe. Me and Brenton watched them last night, and Vinicius set <laughs> Vinicius set Benzema up for 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 his goal without looking where he was. It was a pin, it was a pinpoint pass, wasn't it, Brenton? Like he like he went down the wing yeah. and was facing towards the stands and flipped it across right on to Benzema's feet. Like it was the the chemistry between those two is ridiculous. Plus, as we talked before the show, Modric is looking again like the best midfielder in the world, which is nuts because he's like forty six now. Cruz as well looks like he's got another gear. Casemiro still running and fouling everyone, not getting yellow cards <laughs> for it. Uh, Courtois is playing really well. Mendy obviously at full back. Um, Carvajal at right back. Alaba and uh, what do you call Militao in centre? Yeah, look great as well. The only the only thing is Benzema obviously has been carrying that injury, so we don't know what's going on. If he's not fit, I give PSG a huge. Chance. Obviously, with PSG's talent, you'd think on Messi going back to the Bernabeu, Ramos going back to the Bernabeu, you'd fancy something. But um, so that tie is going to be the tie of the round, I think. And if Atletico Madrid can get some of their defenders back. Jimenez and I think Savage as well. I think there's one or another two, one or another missing. Trippier, um, they're going to be a real problem for Manchester United now. Five out of the last six seasons, Ronaldo's knocked Atletico Madrid out of the Champions League. He loves playing against them. He said it all. He said it before. I think he said he loves playing against them. So. Um, there is that element, but I, I don't know. That one's really, really tricky. And I know Steve was kind of delighted in the way they got PSG because he fancied United to smash them. So we'll get his take on on Thursday night or during the week while he makes that. But I think that that's going to be a deadly, deadly tie. If they're in the mood of Atletico Madrid, you can be a big trouble. Like we know, Paddy, what they were like. If they're in the mood and they want to shithouse it, they'll do that. So that's going to be tricky. Around. But yeah, I think it, the second draw actually was maybe better. For neutrals, uh, than the first one, I think it's fired up a few more interesting ties. So, first first round kicks off on the fifteenth of February. I think Liverpool on the sixteenth, and then they play on the eighth. And I think Chelsea are on the the fifteenth, and then they play on the ninth or something. I think I think they're both the same week. So that'll be interesting. But yeah, looking forward to it. But it's just obviously there was the farce beforehand. And one other note as well in the Europa League. Glasgow Rangers got Dortmund, which which caused a right laugh in our group because it's to say that like they haven't played Dortmund in that playoff round in the Europa League is going to be insane. Uh, Haaland turning up to Ibrox, I mean, he's going to have a field day, sirs. Uh, that's going to be a highlight of the Europa League season, I think, for a highlight reel anyway. Um, but we'll move on to the domestic matters and what's happened uh, this week uh, in in the Premier League. Lot of penalty decisions, a lot of contentious penalty decisions. Johnny, which one was the maddest? I, I, I think Jerry should um contribute to, to the penalties because obviously there was one in the Chelsea game. Um well there was a couple in the Chelsea game, three in fact, obviously the Liverpool game and the City game. So um all the and you uh, needed. Title con- well, I'm talking about the title containers. All right, um, sorry, yeah. cheeky. So <laughs> Just because Steve's not here, um, just to to see what he thought about um, who who deserved one, who didn't. I think the most daft penalty was the Man City one, without a doubt. This even with that VAR there as well, and they still got it wrong. I mean, honest to God, honest to God, how do you get that so wrong? 
Um, the man, like I just think personally today that people get penalties for being, as they say over here, saft. And like Ronaldo <laughs> went down like he was shot in the head, like it was ridiculous. Um, and it is, it's a it's a penalty. Like by by the way the game is now, they're penalties. Like um, I think the penalty was the last penalty Chelsea got was was soft, but I mean they're given. Um, Liverpool's. I can't. Even, I actually can't even remember the penalty Liverpool got, but I know Mo Salah was getting dogs abuse for it. So Mings on um, Salah, Mings on Salah. So I mean, like, it's just obvious that Arsenal are just the best because we didn't have to get any penalties to win our game at the weekend, and <laughs> that's personally what I think. Uh, but no, I, I did kind of think though, to be honest, there you know, after I watched match today yesterday, and I haven't watched match today in a long time, but if you kind of wonder, is there, you know, somebody in the referee's ear saying, oh, well, Man City are winning and Chelsea won. Should we get a Liverpool penalty here later on to keep the title race going? I don't know. Like, just who knows? Do you know, like, even going to what, what happened in the Formula 1 yesterday, now, I'm not into Formula 1, and even I knew that was a farce yesterday. So I think for a lot of people like myself, and there are a lot of people like me who are not into Formula 1 and knew how much of a farce that was, you know, I think it just tells kind of how much of a joke it was. But... It hasn't been a great weekend for sport in general for officiating. Um, I kind of thought there that rugby officials kind of more times than not get things right, and maybe they should look at that sport as an example of how to actually referee a game or you know a sporting event. You know, there's communication there. There's no communication with with VAR. Like why referees are not going to screens more often? Why it's just been left to some dickhead in a bunker somewhere in London to make this decision. It's, it's completely <laughs> daft, you know what I mean? Like, it's completely daft. Like, a team's going to end up getting relegated or, I mean, like us, for example, we're going to miss out on European football this year because Mike Dean is a baldy bastard and hates us. And VAR will just back him. Joe's, it's just ridiculous. I just cannot believe. We, we've, I've done it on this podcast nearly three years and I don't know how many times I have talked about referees. They are just... Fucking disgrace! But like that's, that's what I thought of the penalties. We're gonna miss out on Europe because Mike Dean is a baldy bastard. What a lie! <laughs> yeah. And he that's is. the the best way I've ever heard VAR described. Some dickhead and bunker in London. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, on on I'll I'll start with Liverpool first, obviously, because it was the one I paid most attention to. Um, Stuart Atwell's overall performance was completely horseshit. I don't know if you got to watch much of it as well, Paddy. Like, but like, I right, Johnny, you'll you'll know about this. Emiliano Martinez was time wasting from the sixth minute. He's a cock. Which is which is you know what? Fine, I love a shit house. That's grand, but the referee had no control over it. And then about seventieth minute in, I think it was Paddy, you went down to him and gave him a telling off. Whereas there was ample time to nip that in the bud. Go and give him a yellow. Tell him to fuck up. And then it goes on, but he kept he kept time wasting, time wasting, time wasting. There was so many, like, and I want to talk about Jared. And he's well, going to do that. A minute. He, yeah, he's oh, going to do, do it that. all season. Like, it, it's like it's not his. It's obviously his fault, but like he's going to keep doing it if he doesn't get punished. Oh, right. Like, why wouldn't you keep doing it? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's the ref who has to stamp it out. Villa all game were just uh, a gang of grocks, which is again fine. Just anything I could near Liverpool player, they're just putting them on the get deck, and whatever that, that's that's fine. But there was no control. Stuart Atwell had no control over it. Macamba, marvelous Macamba, what a name! 
he should have been sent off for the amount of fouls he accumulated. None of them were particularly horrendous. There was one was late, which we've never even looked at. It was a late uh, sort of not a, it wasn't a stamp, it was anyone in the stamp on him, but he caught Oxley Chamberlain with studs and he'd already been on the yellow. Not looked at, whatever. I just felt that was really poor. I'd watched the City game beforehand where the ball hits Moutinho's armpit. And how they come up with then that it's a, a red and I think our penalty and then I think they said it's it wasn't clear or not um well, if it didn't hit his arm. What? Like it's not clear either or so you just can't, you cannot give that decision. Liverpool got one like that in the Champions League final in Madrid with Suzuko, so I I really cannot complain, but I'm and I'm not completely too oh, much. About that one it, had his arm. That one had his arm. Don't don't you? City would have went on. City would have gone. Jenny, didn't he? <laughs> he did. Yeah. City would have went on to win that game anyway. And I'm not saying that's going to cause any trouble. I don't mean that, but it just was like whatever. So it just I don't know about you, but just found though. the whole weekend, the whole officiate and the whole weekend in the Premier League was just off. Even I don't use me and Brandy or Paddy. Paddy, come in here. John Moss sending him and his off, like. Where's the common sense? I don't. I think him and his, his first one's like, not a foul. No, me, me, maybe not. But I actually just I think he should have been sent off. Like I do. I think if you're that stupid, you should go. Like he nearly got, got, got two yellows for trying to for trying to halt the ball. He kept on doing it and doing it. And do, he, like he just had a total brain fade. So I I'm not in disagreement with him and his red card because I think he deserves it for being so thick. Um, but I do think there were definitely questionable decisions over the weekend. Cities was never a penalty. I don't think. I think Chelsea's uh, winning penalty was very soft as well. Um, and even Salah's, like, there isn't a massive, massive amount of contact. Like, it probably is, but it was by no means a, a stonewall penalty. But the way you mentioned about uh, Emmy Martinez. I think it's 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 a problem right across, especially keepers wasting time. Like we're, this six second rule just seems to be ignored all the time. If you yeah. look at a look at a clock and see how long a keeper holds a ball for, not even talking goal kicks, I'm talking actually holds. He's allowed six seconds. Routinely, it's twelve or thirteen seconds. And like you know, if he if he does that ten times, you know, there's a minute gone from the game just from a keeper holding it too long. I think there definitely has to be something looked at in terms of. Uh, time wasting because it makes sense if Villa come into Anfield they know it's going to be tough if they can eat 15 minutes a clock they don't have to come up against Salah or Mane or whatever it's just common sense it's good for them and like you make a really good point about that well he should have been dishing out early enough yellow cards to to stop that um because it it just it ruins the game a wee bit I I think you know it, it, um, it did ruin it but it also I think added to an unreal atmosphere at Anfield it felt on Saturday afternoon because uh, Anfield then felt like it it had something to fight against. You could tell the fans were like, what the fuck? And they're getting really annoyed at Atwell. Then they're getting really annoyed at, at every Villa player. They even getting annoyed at Gerard, which I agreed with um, and giving him abuse because he's at, he's at Villa manager. So you gave him abuse. Um, so I think that added to it. Like, uh, But I just... And Stuart Atwell had been the referee for the past two Liverpool games. So I saw a lot of him. And he was great. He let both games go. You know, there was no contentious decisions. Everything was grand. But then I just I just felt on Saturday, he sort of lost control of it far too early. And then he was struggling then the rest of the game. And it was just quite annoying, his whole I, overall performance. 
I think as well, Villa could, Villa could have counted themselves fairly unlucky not to get a penalty awarded. I think that Allison when he swipes and he catches things, you know, when he kind he of... He gets um, the ball first. I don't know. I, I think it was as much a penalty as Salah's was, you know. Um, I think Mings doesn't get the ball at all, but Allison does. If you There's a... What do you call that? Uh, when they take a snippet, not just a picture, but it's a camera and technical name for it. Yeah. And Allison gets his not a gift. Allison gets his hand nice uh, on the ball first. Now at real time, I cannot believe they didn't stop to look at it. Right, because really I, 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 I really maybe didn't. did. Actually, uh, I didn't see. He's the, very the very lucky now. He's very 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 lucky. He does get those hands because otherwise he literally just barges in inks the ground, and he's very lucky. Um, don't know what was going on for him and Mata, but he just gets his hands on it. If you look at, I'll send it into the thing, but he just gets his hands on it, which is probably just enough. But I, I understand totally as well. Villa fans, it wasn't, didn't seem to be getting even looked at. No, there was no mention of it uh, on commentary, and then the fans at the stand would have known that, but there was no mention of it. So again, that was weird. Why a decision like that? That you'd think a referee would go to the screen even to look at it because it's a pivotal point in the game. But yeah, it was, yeah, it was like a strange the... one. It's the inconsistencies, you know, like as you said, you you go, if you go to the screen for something and then something the exact same, it's not even looked at. There's no mention of it. Like some some of the things you're kind of waiting on the ball going out of play or waiting on a new phase of play to, all right, he's going to stop it here and have a look. And then it just continues on. Nobody ever talks about it again. It's, yeah, it's really, really annoying. Um, And I think that we've, I think, we've spoke about before the um the rugby and how good the officiating is um and the communication the only thing that i would say about that is the time um the natural like breaks in rugby um you know football is a faster game and they're they're like they're happy in rugby to wait you know five minutes after after a try to see if the decision's been made um but I think you would get a lot of stick if referees like you get they get stick at the minute for you know one and two minute waits uh, to see if a goal's gone in, but or to see if there was a foul or an offside in the build up or something. But if you're waiting that long, um, I think that might be the problem. And that was always an argument for against VAR that people had, you know, that it would slow down the game more. And I just think you might because a lot of the things seem to be subjective um that's where you're, you're yeah. gonna run into problems i think they should they should use it more um but a standard has been set that if they go and have a look that means that they're overturning it and even that's in the referee's head you know once once they are told go and have a look at this um to, to see what you think again you know when they're going over there they have said right they, the var clearly thinks that i've made a, an incorrect decision here so when he's running over, he's thinking, I'm, I'm probably going to overturn this, which is not right either. You know, you should be looking yeah. at it with a fresh head of eyes again, as if it, as if it has just happened. So, um, no, they're not doing it right at all. And I think, which Jerry said before, like the, it's the fundamental problem is probably the standard of refereeing is, is the main issue. What is well that Everton game? Hey, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. The Everton game um, for us on Monday. Um, not not taking nothing away from the result. Like I mean, we were not good enough. But Tommy Atsu is on the ground and gets kicked basically in the face, and you know nothing. Bar is not even bar is like yeah. nah, work away. 
And I just thought Arsenal were kicked to bits in that game like by Everton. It was a fucking disgrace. I mean, I wasn't annoyed about the fact that we got beat. It was the fact that the referee didn't seem to want to get his yellow cards out for Everton players. I mean, they absolutely kicked the fuck out of us. And it was an absolute fucking disgrace. It just, it really wound me up. And I mean, it, it just shows the incompetence of referees and going on about this and beat this drum so many times. Like, they're just not good enough. I mean, if you were that bad at your job, you would be fucking sacked by now. They are so incompetent. And you, they, Sky get on this, um, that referee, well, he's a former referee, he's a Gallagher. Oh, Sky, do you get on Gallagher, yeah. Yeah, he is a numpty. If you if you listen to how he explains the decision that a referee's made from the previous weekend, it just makes no sense. It's just daft. You know what I mean? Like it's it, 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 he tried to explain the way um I can't was it Godfrey? Is that who it was that kicked Tommy out something around? Why and then Gary Neville said himself as well, um, it is a foul or whatever it was, but it's not a red card or I can't remember what Gary Neville said something completely stupid on Monday Night Football as well, and I just thought what has gone on with this game? Like, and Gary Neville usually speaks a lot of sense, and I usually like um, listening to Gary Neville as a pundit, but I just thought he was completely wrong. But Gallagher as well just talked complete shade. But it's just to defend their mates, like, because they're all mates. They're all, they're, I don't agree with the um, bringing a referee on. No offence, but I don't want to hear a fucking referee talk about football. No offence, referees. I just fuck off, all right? You're on the pitch, good beans, do your job. Fuck off. We don't want to, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear a referee's opinion. You know if something happens in the game, we're gonna who's that fucking agent comes on BT? We're gonna cut to him now. Who always agrees as you said, Johnny, with what like some oh he's just stabbed. He's just pulled a samurai sword out. Ramos just pulled a samurai sword out and he has chopped uh for uh, not for Ron, Alaba's head off. What do you think make of this? Well, the referee's probably right what he did there because he was sort of provoked, so I'm gonna stick with the referee's decision. We should get the Prince of Rome on to tell us why these decisions were made because he is the Babel referee and he will tell us why these would decisions were made. I listen to him though because he doesn't agree with any referees either. He hates them all too. Um, but yeah, it's just like I hate I hate that aspect of football media now where they're bringing referees involved. No offence to anyone that referees. Fair play to you. And I know one of our listeners is a referee on Fairfax, but I don't want to hear your opinion on what's happening in the game. From a referee side, I'd rather hear like a fan side or coach or football or player side. I don't want to hear it, like because they just don't. They always just agree with themselves, so it doesn't matter anyway. And um, one ask that I want to talk about at the weekend, uh, and all obviously, uh, Johnny is going through this now. A former player is manager of obviously Arsenal. You had Frank Lampard at Chelsea. All this talk uh, recently has been of Steven Gerrard. Um, going on to Liverpool. I know I think Paddy you said you think it's gonna happen or whatever. Um I hated the, that whole talk at the weekend and the build up to it. When's Gerard gonna be coming in? Oh he's gonna be next in line. In my opinion, the, the greatest manager I have ever seen without a doubt at Liverpool and he might even go down as Liverpool's greatest ever especially tactics wise the way that team is played is Jurgen Klopp. And for all this bollocks to be about when Gerard's gonna be taking over, I get it too. Obviously there is a small there is an element of it, but it just took over the game and fuck that like do you know what I mean and going on the way his Rangers teams played and the way his Aston Villa team set up where it's all grit and determination and it's um, there's no real like we didn't see it anyway no real attacking side to it he was there to set up to defend resolutely which he, he seemed to be able to set up a defence for a bit of him but I wouldn't want that that would bore the shit out of me 
He doesn't coming play sexy football, basically. No, coming off yeah. rock and roll and what Klopp's done. I want Pep Linders to be in charge next anyway because I think he'll carry that on and what he brings. I wouldn't want Gerard of all the all the elements of the glorious homecoming and it'd be brilliant and everything. Look, and I know it's probably going to happen down the line, but he would need to change completely what way his team is his teams are playing because I'll be bored stupid. It's 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 not Mourinho. Think it's something to do with, but it's just like it's so boring, so like. I don't know, too defensive or something, too gritty. It's not, it wouldn't be for me. Do you think it's something to do with the, the quality of players available to him? Or do you think, like, you know, if he had Liverpool's like, team? I know, I know Brentford. Probably, yeah, yeah. And actually in the Scottish League, like Rangers players would have been up there with the, in the higher echelons of the quality in, in the Scottish League. So, yeah, um, I know what you're saying there. Um but yeah, I, I suppose it's maybe early in his in his Villa career, and he's maybe just wanting to come in and steady the ship a wee bit. Um, but it doesn't seem like he's he's gonna play expansive, free flowing football. Yeah. I think oh. I think like it wouldn't have been a good look for him to go to Anfield and get absolutely hosed. Like, so I think he had to set up in a defensive way because if you attack Liverpool at Anfield, it's it's basically football and suicide, like. Um, but you know, he has got positive results since he went to Villa. I know he's only been there five games and has won three of them, and only lost by a goal against probably two of the three best sides in the league. Like he's done okay, um, and he did. I think in Scotland, obviously, he won the title. But the fact that he had a couple of runs in Europe impressed me a lot because, like, Scottish sides haven't done anything in Europe and. You know the best part of a decade, like um, probably since Rangers made that final in like two thousand and eight or nine. Probably the last time anyone had a decent run. But um, like personally, I don't really want Gerard as the next manager either. Uh, I would kind of be the same as you, Phil. That um, kind of like what Barcelona did for a while and kind of promote from within. Um, I would prefer to see Liverpool do that and carry on what they have under Klopp. I think Gerard will inevitably be Liverpool manager. I don't know if it'll be in summer 2024 when Klopp hangs up his cap or or further down the line, but it's gonna happen. Like, and if he does anything reasonable at Villa, if he gets them sort of top six, top seven team and maybe wins a, a cup, I think that's gonna be more than enough for him on his CV to to probably get the job. But um like I agree with you, Phil, that I would I would prefer to see someone like Lenders have have a crack look. Is that um, is that acceptable really though? Like, you know, you're saying they need to get Aston Villa into the Champions League. Yeah, Villa get four years for years. On a cup, like for Liverpool, I mean, you want a manager coming in with pedigree who's won league titles elsewhere or whatever or gone really far in Europe. You don't need someone who's finished seventh, thirtieth in the Premier League and won a cup with Aston Villa. Like you may as well get Brenton Rogers back. It's, you, you need someone with top top pedigree, like do you know what I mean. Like it's it's basically like we've got Arteta in, who's a complete amateur, and you can see where his failures are, where he lacks in certain certain areas, and it's cost us completely over the last two and a half seasons. And Liverpool will not go like their fans will not accept them going from challenging for the league, challenging for the Champions League every year to you know taking on what will be probably still a fairly rookie enough manager in Gerard who has managed Rangers, yes, done well, got a, got them, you know, in a decent run in the Europa League. 
we'll see what he does with Aston Villa. But I mean, winning the FA Cup or a League Cup and finishing seventh or if they even finish sixth, you know, I just don't think that's good enough for Liverpool. That's just my opinion. Like, you know, I wouldn't have Jarrett back either. You know, sentiment has to go out the door in football when it comes to your managers. And <sighs> Arsenal really are a team, if you want to look at an example, who just take forever to kind of get on get on the train with that. You know, we, we just keep managers for so long and we've kept Arteta who goes hot and cold and, you know, we've seen how it goes. It's just inconsistency with results. And I don't think that like, Liverpool, I know some Liverpool fans are kind of against Klopp. Um, small minority, and I've heard this on the radio, just daft people. They might even be Liverpool fans for all I know. But, I mean, like Phil, you said there about how he might be your greatest ever manager. And he is like, you know, why would you even want Klopp to go over Steven Gerrard? Why would you even want Klopp to go at all? You know, he's he's just revolutionised that club. You look at where they were sitting when he came in and where they are now and the football they play and the great players they have and the players that want to come to Liverpool now to play under Klopp. I mean, who's Steven Gerrard really going to attract? Like, no offence to him. Like, I know he was a great player and stuff like but are you going to want to play under Pep or Klopp or under Steven Gerrard or Mikel Arteta? You know what I mean? That's just That's just what I think anyway. And all the talk at Liverpool is get the Salah deal done and get Salah looked after. The most important thing Liverpool can do is try and convince Jurgen Klopp to possibly stay on a little bit longer. You know, get another two, three years out of him possibly because they could be invaluable only if he wants to. If he doesn't want to, that's totally fine. But if there's a chance that he does want to, then Liverpool should be nailing it. And this ownership don't really go for sentiment. They brought Doug Leach in when they got rid of Hodgson to steady the ship. And then as soon as they got the chance, they caught him. That's kind of glitch. Fucking stands named after him. You know, he's the greatest player to ever play for the club. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Gerard's obviously behind, just behind him, yes. But, you know, the FSG were just like, right, Kenny, cheers. That wasn't good enough. See you, good luck. And then they brought Rodgers in. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's like, they're not they're not going to just listen to a load of mad fans calling for the boy from Houghton to come in because he was a hero when he played. It's not going to be the case. And it shouldn't be the case. And I get it too. Like he is a lot. He was a lot of people's idols. I totally get that. He, we love them to bits. Don't get me wrong. But unless Aston Villa have broken into the top four in the next two or three years, and have challenged and have got into Champions League, I don't want them anywhere near. It. I'm sorry, but he still wouldn't be ready for me. It it, it would have to be. We'd look elsewhere across Europe if it isn't going to be Pep Linders, where he comes in next. I, I don't know. Brent, you look. Lampard came in and it was great when he first came in and then did the first season and then straight away you started to see, oh, hang on, he isn't. And he wasn't ready. Like Jamie Carragher said, he, he wished Lampard had taken this job 10 years down the line. He'd have been more rounded and ready to take it. Do you know what the, I mean? Yeah, so the, the, the difference there, I think, is that Chelsea were in a bind. They were in a, a different place in that they had mm-hmm. a transfer ban. Um, and they could only... Um, kind of promote players from within um and that's that's kind of why lampard got the job more than anything else i would say and i think in his you know his recent piece he did with gary neville which was very good he he acknowledged that you know and, and said that the club were in a situation and if he was asked he thought he might be asked if he was asked of course he was never going to let the club down he said himself he probably wasn't quite ready so um i think that's a different situation um and yeah, you find out, you know, the hard way, um, the <clears throat> um, the sort of cutthroat element of, of the Premier League and in particular probably Chelsea, you know, um, I, I don't think 
if Liverpool are on the trajectory they're on at the minute and they, you know, keep challenging and keep winning things under Jurgen Klopp, um, I think it would, you know, be a massive step down. No offense to Jared, but like it would be a massive step down to hire somebody like him. Um it would it would make sense to to continue with, with Pat Linders or as you say, you know, somebody with equivalent football and coaching intelligence um and jared has said himself i think recently he doesn't even have that himself that's why he um it's michael bale yeah he has um michael is it yeah yeah um that's why he brings him with him so that tells you probably everything you need to know um about his sort of i think he's he's just on a different rung of the ladder at the minute and he may well um develop into a better coach and, and go to Liverpool later on in his career, but certainly not after Klopp, I don't think. Um the 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 Arteta one is is interesting because Arsenal keep talking about a plan that they have with Arteta. Um and I'm interested to see what well two pronged question probably for Jetty. Um to see what he thinks of that plan and, and if that if that plan is um, exciting him and, and going anywhere. And also on Arteta, like how he dealt with the Aubameyang um, situation recently. Because I actually think on that, he was quite good. And even the way he answered the question, um, uh, I don't know if it was pre-match or post-match about Aubameyang, but um, I thought he dealt with that quite well in the disciplinary um the suspension and carrying that through even for his club captain. Um we all know Aubameyang is a cock. <laughs> get that out there. He is a dickhead. <laughs> um he's a disgrace to the captaincy of this football club and should be stripped of it straight away in my opinion. Um he's been given He's been given a lot of opportunities to go and do things that other players wouldn't. You know, he, uh, from what I've heard, he was sent to go and pick up his mum in France and didn't report back in time. Um, Arteta's first press conference, you remember he talked about the non-negotiables um, and he's upheld that. By, this isn't the first time Aubameyang's been dropped. He was dropped from the starting 11 against Tottenham last season. Um, because he showed up late to the game, um, which is what not what you expect, not what the fans expect from one of the biggest games of the season for for us in particular against against them. So, I mean, I think in January definitely would try and move him on. It probably won't happen because it's a very funny transfer window. But in the summer, I would hope to God that he's shipped out the door. I'm just fed up with him now. Um, he started off like a house on fire at Arsenal and scored plenty of goals, but. Over the last season and a half now, he's really, really dropped off form and just doesn't seem interested. All he seems interested in now is his paycheck and his flashy cars and, you know, going on Arsenal fan TV and making buddies with them and being a cock playing Fortnite or the Heli Place. And his brother's a dick as well. So, we're, we're <laughs> anyone else? On that. Well, we, we could have uh, who else? <laughs> probably are, probably all dickheads. Like, we could expand on it all, but don't have enough time. Um, in terms of the project at Arsenal, me and Phil talked on the last podcast I was on a few weeks ago about how it's been exciting and feeling good to watch Arsenal again, but it we just it. 
Yeah, well, pretty much after that, they did kind of fuck it. They just went massively downhill again. It's it's like he got a run of seven or eight good games under Arteta, and then he just like the games against Man United and Everton, he should have won them games. Do you know what? Like, really should have beat United. Like United were there for the taking, and yeah. they let uh, Pensioner score against us, and let Fred like we made Fred look like he was world class. I don't know, and Everton who couldn't buy a win. And there you, there you go, Crystal Palace absolutely destroyed them yesterday and they walked all over us on Monday night. It's just, it's not good enough. He needs to be more consistent. He needs to grind out these results. Like, he went to Old Trafford and absolutely crapped himself. He played Mohamed Elneny, who hasn't started a game all season, has barely been in match day squads and started him, like, in midfield at Old Trafford. I'm sorry, like, but, like, as bad as United are, you don't show disrespect to a club like United or Liverpool or whatever, no matter what stage they're at, on their turf, like play your strongest team. He dropped Lakonga, who's been great. He dropped Maitland Niles, who had a man of the match performance the game before. Thomas Partey hasn't been great either. He's been very, very bad this season. Like I don't know if you've seen the interview before the United game with Thomas Partey, and he said his Arsenal career so far has been probably a four out of ten. Nice. <laughs> just like, can't believe that. <laughs> He'd actually just admitted that on the I United actually game. thought in the United game, JD, that he was United's best passer. No, which I... is unfortunate because he was playing for Arsenal. But I thought he was his passing for United was like, absolutely sublime. Yeah, well, he was um, he was at fault for Everton's equaliser as well on Monday. But I don't know. Well, he, it... well, do you think Arteta? Do you think Arteta will be there next season? Yeah, I do think he'll be there next season because the Arsenal boards aren't ruthless enough. And have no balls. Would you um, get rid of him? I'd probably give him to the end of the season because we're not going to get anybody in that's going to be any better at this but stage. But then you'd get rid of him. But I'd get rid of him, yeah. yeah. Do, you not, do you not blame the players too, JD? Like, it can't just all be Arteta all the time, like, lacking consistency. Surely this is a player issue too, like... No, there, there is a player issue, there's no doubt. Like, we've talked about Bamiang. He had a lot of... He had a lot of dead wood to get out of that club when he came in. You know, Ozil, Mustafi, Socrates, uh, Guendouzi then turned into a wee dick. Um, <laughs> but he is like, he's just a wee asshole. Like, there, there, there were so many problems, underlying problems there, and there still are some. Like, and Arsenal didn't learn from the Ozil situation with giving Aubameyang a, you know, big bumper deal. But, I mean, they were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place there. You know, if they didn't sign Aubameyang to a new contract, there would have been an uproar. Um and they wouldn't have got any money for him anyway if they had sold him. So they kind of had to just offer him what he wanted. Um, probably wouldn't have given him three years, but there you are. They brought Willian in. And to be fair, Willian kind of went uh, for nothing. He just kind of was like, I wrapped the contract, I'll just go. Which was kind of dead on of him. I think but, he heard uh, you threatening him. He probably did. Probably, probably had Every week. <laughs> Every single week, yeah. Um, I don't know, it's... I kind of feel sorry for Arteta, but at the same time, we have to realise where we're at. You know, as Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool are moving further and further ahead. Like, we, I think Arsenal, if they just got a run of games together, like, if they just kept that consistently, they have a real, real good chance of getting in the top four. Because United are... It's there, like... Dort. It is there. Yeah. And Spurs are rocky this year. <clears throat> Leicester are real hot and cold, you know. It's there for the take and whoever wants it, and... Like, if we had to just beat Everton, beat United, like, we were right up there, right in it, like, and now we're fighting for it with these clowns in West Ham, and <laughs> no disrespect to West Ham, like, they've been great this year, like, but, 
West Ham should not be sitting fourth place in the Premier League. Like, <laughs> they shouldn't be. And that's that's down to down to our team, down to our management. Like, you know, we should have went out and attacked United and put the game to bed early. The same with Everton, but there's a fear factor there. And I don't know whether it's with the players or with Arteta, but it's kind of the way he sets up as well. He's afraid of going to Old Trafford and getting beat. He's afraid of going to Goodison Park getting beat. Same on field, blah blah blah. Like have a go, like you know, if we if we if we get beat three two by United, but we had a proper go and didn't stick on fucking Mohamed El Nani, like you know what? What can you kind of say? It's bad luck. It was kind of bad luck at Old Trafford, but it's it was just bad bad in game management as well. The the substitution. Can I can I ask as well? Um, Edu, mm-hmm. what does he do? What does Edu do? Yeah. Um, <laughs> from from my understanding, um, Arteta identifies the sort of player that he wants, and Edu is responsible for trying to get that player or a similar player. Um, he hasn't really impressed me now so far when he's been in the job. But yeah, like it, it, those technical director roles are—I think that's it, this title anyway—are becoming very common now in England. Um, he hasn't been fantastic at that job so far, but difficult. Why I ask, over. Johnny? Why I ask it is Mark Overmars is the director of football at Ajax uh-huh. and is absolutely smashing it and has been for a while now. Himself, Van der Sar, I think, is involved too, yeah. but Overmars and he and he's he's constantly. If you listen to because I'm such an agent and I listen to too many podcasts, if you listen to enough. You'll hear his, that's why I was looking at my phone there, anyone that's watching the video, you'll hear his name getting dropped in left, right and centre, right? Uh-huh. Um, all over the place because of what he's been doing at Ajax. And, and currently now because of the resurgence of Ajax, this is the second time this Ajax have come back in with um, Ten Hag, obviously his manager. But when Arsenal were looking for the f- director of football, I never heard his name getting now. Maybe you did. I never heard his name getting mentioned, but he was doing some great work at I at and it just sort of feels like it would have been the perfect fit to bring yeah. Mark over Mars back. Obviously, there's talk about Arteta had said about Wenger, but bring these people back into the club. Yes, Eddie's an ex player, but he he has been crap. Bring <laughs> these people back into the club and go from it from there. Do, do you know what I mean? I I just didn't. I don't understand that. Yeah. Um, over Mars was there was whispers of Over Mars um, at the time when they were recruiting for that job, but I, I don't know what or how Edu um, managed to get his way in there. Um, and Over Mars was mentioned for for the Newcastle role as well, if you remember. Yeah. Like he, and I think he just signed a new contract with Ajax this week to stay on there, or he's been extended. I don't know, but um, Ajax actually promoted that quite well. If you if you look at their Instagram feed, basically it's just him sitting in the pub and everyone's ringing him leaving him voicemails about joining their club and I asked her basically like no he's, he's staying with us um, <laughs> but you're right like Mark Overmars it's been it's been a couple of years now if like you said if you're listening to the right podcasts he has been talked about about a lot of different clubs and you can see Ajax have been doing really well the fact they got to the semi-final of the Champions League in 2019 and now they're building again and look how well they're doing this season you know, when you have the right people in place, your your club can go far. Like we've talked about Chelsea's structure, how they have a structure in place where if the manager's gone tomorrow, they have the people in place there to be able to go again and go again and go again and go again. And that's how Chelsea work because they have the people there. They know what they're doing. 
Arsenal have people in place who have a fucking notion what they're doing. Like, I mean, the, the Cronkies, who... Is it is it Josh that's in charge? Is it Stam? Who knows? The only thing I've seen Josh do since he's came to Arsenal is fucking grow a beard. You know? It's just... <laughs> <laughs> it's, and, fuck, you know, it's just... It's frustrating as hell. Like, because there's... Because you can't grow a, one? I can't grow one, no. I'm okay. <laughs> like, there's a great training facility there, great stadium. There's great young players coming through at Arsenal, and it's just it's just going to be wasted because Saka's going to get fed up, Smithrow's going to get fed up, Balogun is going to get fed up. So is Ramsdale. Like Martinelli. A couple. Of, yeah, they're just going to be like, "Fuck this!" Like it's the same thing ten years ago. We seen it happen. Van Persie, Fabregas, Nasri, same shit happened. They got fed up after years of having to carry this club on their back. Like, and it's going to happen again. You can see it's going to happen again. Arsenal and they all, they, they all left. They all left and won, and went, won and Premier League titles. Yeah, or bigger trophies, to be honest. Um, um, frustratingly, but it is what it is. Well, we, we'll see. The Arsenal project is uh, is mad. I'll, I'll give it that. Like, um, football, the Premier League has obviously life has been hit with more COVID. Uh, Omicron variant is here now, obviously. Uh, and the Premier League this week, uh, and that's obviously last week, has been quite hard. Spurs uh, were riddled with it. I think they had 13 players possibly, so they couldn't play their game against Rennes in the Europa Vase Trophy or whatever it is. And they had to forfeit that. And um, then they couldn't play against Brighton at the weekend. They're going to get beat anyway. And, um, so, uh, and then we've seen today United have possibly, I think, tomorrow's game against Brentford's going to get called off. They have a couple of players have it and coaching staff. Aston Villa have one player um, who's tested positive, but then it's mostly staff. So I don't know, Paddy, what do you think's going to happen? Do you think that we might see a bit of what's going on in Germany where you're going to see possibly behind closed door games and things are going to start moving now and possibly more games possibly postponed? Hard, hard to know, like, really hard to know. I just, the feeling you get from uh, from Johnson, really, the last while is that he doesn't really want more lockdowns or anything that looks like a lockdown. So, I don't know. There's been no indication so far that it might hit football crowds. Um, like, it makes perfect sense to do that, but I, I just think they'll hold off for as long as possible. They're really putting all their eggs in the, the booster vaccination basket. Um and, and working from home and doing these kind of things. So I think it would be, you know, pretty low down the list for, for, for the government to do that again. Um, so we'll see. Like, Germany's different in that they're, they're even less vaccinated than, than the UK is, so they're really in a tight spot. Um, so, yeah, I suppose you're going to see games getting called off. It's inevitable. Um, I don't really know what the rules are. I don't know if that's actually being confirmed as to how many players you have to have out for the game to be called off because there was a lot of confusion around that Tottenham game. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you know a number or anything? Is, is it as uh, as organised as that, that there's a number, or is it just kind of left up to the the gods to decide? Of a game getting abandoned? Mm. Uh, is it... Because in eight? Europe, they said, they said if, if you have 13 players and a goalkeeper, you can play. But Tottenham still didn't play that game against Ren. So, you know, I don't know Is what it's like. More, in, than, more, in, than a, more than a third of the first team squad or something? No. 
Uh, it's something like that, I think. I think, I think, I think yeah. it's something. Like, I think it, that's why it's eight, possibly. If it's eight first team players, or because there's twenty five in the squad, isn't it? So it's eight or nine first team players, and then I think it's like, right, that's okay. You're gonna have to postpone this. But I know Johnny also used had to play at Brentford when you had uh, COVID at the start of the season in the Arsenal camp. Um, so you, you've been affected by it already. So I, I don't know. I like, where are they going to start fitting these games in, though? That's another thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The, the schedule's already... Like, Chelsea... We were talking about this yesterday, but <laughs> Chelsea have, like, in, in in January and February, Chelsea have 62 games or something stupid. They're playing every half day. <laughs> it's absolutely... And they're going to a Club World Cup as well, which is, like, what? Why is that still happening? Um, Why is that so, all? Yeah, so, like, me personally, to free up the fixture schedule, I would have told the League Cup to get fucked this year. And that have freed up a few weeks for teams because it's not just Premier League teams as well. Remember, there's there's the, the leagues lower down that are obviously going to come through this as well, and their schedule's already compact. And then you th- chuck something like that in. So that's what I'd have done: freed up a few weeks to get league games through, and then obviously with the mad international breaks. But I don't know, Johnny. What, what do you make of it? Like COVID returning? Do you think that We'll we'll end up with a situation where you're going to see a lot more games postponed, possibly games behind closed doors in certain scenarios, certain areas. Wasn't there a while where Liverpool were allowed a full stand, full stadium, and I think London teams weren't or something last year for a wee while. Remember that was a wee bit mad. So yeah, I don't know. It was different um, tiers last year, wasn't there? Like Liverpool yeah. were allowed fifteen hundred, and Manchester weren't, or you know, yeah, London weren't or whatever. Yeah, it was, it was strange. Well, that's just because City about have about 15 fans so just look normal <laughs> um yeah i actually forgot about the league cup field to be honest um i forgot we were still in it uh i think we have sunderland uh do, so, yeah, yeah uh, probably probably should have just told that on the fa cup to take a break for a year um club world cup daft as well um but you know they potentially could have done that next summer because there's no world cup next summer it's in the winter so Maybe could have fed it in then if they wanted to. I don't know. Um, th- th- there's going to be more cases of COVID. It's coming into the winter months. It's going to happen. Um, United had to close Carrington today. They've had an outbreak of COVID. I think Villa as well have had a view affected. Yeah. So it's um, it's you'll probably find Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Willow will be far behind. Um, there's definitely going to be more cases of COVID. Um, particularly when your ball bag captain's going getting tattoos. Um, but he's been kicked out of the team. So. Yeah, like it's, it's going to happen. Unfortunately, um, I don't know which players are vaccinated or not. Um, from rumours that I've read about the Arsenal team, apparently quite a lot of them aren't vaccinated. Um, Granit Xhaka is one that's been in the spotlight. Um, I think everybody knows about him. I don't know whether he has got vaccinated since he got COVID, but sure, his decision at the end of the day. Um, I mean, footballers have lived in their in their bubble for majority of this pandemic um even when they had the privilege to still play sport when everybody else was locked up in the house you know these it's kind of difficult to know where where these games are going to be fitted in um i don't even think tottenham can play their europa conference league game so um that's their best chance of a trophy out the window scoop see you later uh and then leicester have dropped into the conference league haven't they so you know, you'd be raging. Like, you're going into that shit after Christmas. It, it's it's just off. Like, you know, 
even international friendlies and stuff being played and in the last couple of months and even probably in the new year you know that should have been kicked in the head too like like you said play the qualifiers all in one go get it out of the way and then let the season continue yeah it's it's just it's just a difficult situation but at the end of the day it all falls back to money and the premier league and uefa and whatever they just it's all about money and tv rights to them and you, you can see you know after the last year and a half where they could put every premier league game on for fans to watch it's just a real pain in the dick that you can't sit and watch games now without, um, let's say, well, your illegal streams, I suppose, your dodgy fire sticks, whatever way you want to watch it. But you know oh, what? If Sky, if Sky wanted to try and charge me £75 a month to watch sports and not be able to watch all the sports, then I'm sorry, like, but I will look at other ways to watch sports. But that's just the way it is, isn't it? Because it's all about the money. Can I just say, uh, I don't know what Dodgy Firestick he's talking about, uh, Paddy does. So, yeah, it's... it's um, <laughs> can I ask you a question as well, Johnny? What organisation has been run worse, Arsenal or the British government? Um, Pretty sure Boris Johnson runs both. <laughs> <laughs> is he your on. actual director? Is he the silent director of football? Right? <laughs> what a scoop that is. There's nothing silent about that man, to be honest. Like, there was a Christmas Double party exclusive. at the Emirates last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he loves an old Christmas quiz. Like, him and a bunny. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I look, we don't know what's going to happen. I, I hopefully, uh, not even just football wise, as a society, we'll get through these next two weeks, have a great Christmas, and we'll keep going on. Stuff won't get shut down, people won't get locked down, and keep kept away from the families because we all know how important it is even to do this by this but we'd all much rather do it in the one room together we could probably slag each other you know things like that just you know like me and patty are going for dinner tomorrow night we want to be continue to be able to do things like that so That's yeah cool. i hope it doesn't like um but it, it just sort of feels to be a bit ominous that possibly you were going to see i i think you'll see a period of games where you might see behind closed doors depending on how the variant goes. Maybe not, might not even just be UK. It could be across Europe. We've already seen it in Germany in the Champions League and games like that. So you might see it happening into the new year. But hopefully um, we all come out of it um, as safe as we all can. One final thing before we finish up. I know we've talked for over an hour. I, don't, I, I want to just a note to the listeners and the you lads. I don't know if you've read this yet. And I'll send a link into our group chat. And if you haven't read this, listeners or viewers, check the Irish Times today. And there's a piece by Ken Earlies. Who's in the second captains? He's a brilliant football writer. Very good. And he's done a piece on. I don't know if any of you have heard about this. Now, Paddy, you'll be interested in this, being the brains and the doctor. There's a a, a real weird trend happening on Twitter at the minute around the vaccines and them causing athletes and footballers to have cardiac problems. This is the real tinfoil hat scenario going on. And there was a study actually done, uh, started after 2013, and they did it. Uh, El- Martin Eligar, isn't it, Brent? I think it's his second name, was the consultant. And he does the study. I'll not talk about it too bad because I want you to read the piece in the Irish Times. You'll get it online in the Irish Times. Um, and they, him and, another, and three other consultants did a study for four years, 2014, 2018, on footballers and the cardiac problems. And it actually, unfortunately, is a trend nothing to do with the vaccine that there has been so many issues with cardiac problems for footballers footballers collapsing football has 
uh, breathing difficulties, different thoughts on this. There actually has been a proper study done on this to show that no, this is actually what's going on here. But because now we're having vaccines, certain people, certain people that should know better in the media, Trevor Sinclair, you fucking glue bag, constantly talking about it and saying, what's going on here? Has he had a vaccine? Like Charlie Wilkes collapsed uh, at Wigan and he made sure that Wigan put out a statement to tell people he hasn't been vaccinated. But for two or three days, all it was was he's had a vaccine. That's what's happening. We're, we're killing young people or young people are getting affected by this. So it's really weird, strange thing that's now happened for these vac- people that don't want vaccines and anti-vax or whatever. It's a real weird thing. And I, I would urge anyone that's either watched this or listened to this podcast to go and check out Ken Early's piece because it sort of nails it or is actually no that's not the case that hasn't been happening like even Lindelof went off on Saturday and automatically yeah. saw people saying that has he been vaccinated that's what's going on rather than people should think I hope he's okay I hope if he if it if he does have the vaccine uh, it'll protect him from COVID because obviously now we know there's been an outbreak of COVID in Manchester United so you know you, that you think that would be people's first reaction sort of thing Kieran Murphy mentioned that on on second camp today which I thought was brilliant you'd like to think that would be people's first reaction rather than fuck is he vaccinated he could be in big trouble you know I would just urge people to go and read that and sort of look at it because I've seen just a few people coming coming with this nonsense that the vaccine's causing all this when you know unfortunately no there has been a trend and it's rising in footballers it's only been done in footballers like this study where they are because we're probably well not us we're not teaching them coaching them they're probably being pushed too hard now you know physically and this is possibly what's been happening so i don't know what you think but i would urge everyone to go and check that piece out i think people are daft <laughs> they would they would write and read and believe anything just to say that there's an issue with the vaccine you're all being manipulated into believing that COVID's fucking real and I'm just like, you're fucking idiots. I mean, <clears throat> this is why I'm not on Facebook or anything else, because people just talk absolute muck. Muck for likes and interactions and all that sort of bullshit. Um, if you don't want to get vaccinated, that's absolutely fine. That's down to you. Yep, that's um, your prerogative. My choice is I have been vaccinated and I'll get a booster job just because I want to try and be safe and keep everybody around me safe. We're um, having a double date on Wednesday for it. We are. We're going to get Jab the guy, bang bang, one two, two bricks, jab bros, two, two bricks for, for two. Uh, Patrick, you'll get a real jab the morning with you, right? He, he will. He's been very cheeky. I don't know what did you make of that because you, Paddy, see, not that you use last one, knows Paddy's oblivious because Paddy pays no attention to social media, like he's just, I don't know how he does it. He just pays no attention to anything. He's just in his own world and his class. <laughs> I want to be in Paddy's world. So what do you make of that nonsense like coming out and that rhetoric about the vaccines causing cardiovascular or cardio difficulties for athletes? Yeah, I, I haven't read this article you're talking about. I definitely will read it though, but um, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of a lot of people out there. Um, it sounds like, especially in football, a lot of people haven't taken up the vaccine. It was one of the doctors for one of the lower league clubs. I can't actually remember who it was. Was on Five Live a few weeks ago saying like that stage forty percent of his team was vaccinated. You know, like that's pretty shocking to be honest. But you know, people will latch on to these stories, whether it be you know hints of a cardiac issue or whatever, just to justify reasons for not getting getting vaccinated. And you know, as JD says. 
you know, <laughs> to keep you and everybody, everybody else safe, it's it's a good idea. And like people can make up their own mind, like, but um, I think there's lots of misinformation spouted on social media. People can be experts or pretend they're experts um, and, and say a load of shite that's, that's just untrue, just, you know, that might scaremonger or, or put people off. But, you know, you know, I think the best idea is to, is to get a, is to get a vaccine and, and hopefully, hopefully they can get to the bottom of whatever cardiac issue, which obviously predates COVID, um, you know, is, is going on in these footballers. Like there's Aguero this week is, Balaga came out today, didn't he, and said Aguero's probably going to have to retire over some sort of cardiac issue, and obviously at Ericsson and you know others. Um, so hopefully it's something that you know sports science and sports medicine can try and figure out what's going on because footballers are, you know, they're professional athletes, but they work bloody hard, and you know if they can try and figure out a way to to try and mitigate against that risk, then then that'll be good. But yeah, it's definitely important to stress it's nothing to do with the vaccine. No, and just on Ericsson, there was stuff about him at the time. Was he about him being vaccinated? And, and he he wasn't. He wasn't vaccinated. Um, when when he had his uh, when he collapsed, and thankfully he's obviously doing much better now. But so again, like just that isn't an element of what's been going on here. It, it, I don't know. I just wanted to address it because I saw a few people within football mentioning it too much, and not that our podcast carries any great weight, but I mostly wanted to call. Trevor Sinclair cunt to be honest I'm sorry for using the C word in the podcast Brenton but I mostly just wanted to do that really to be honest like just fired at him because he's an absolute glue bag but yeah he, he is know. an absolute glue bag but he did score the best overhead kick of all time I think that's without question I would take that off him now I'm surprised yeah. you never mentioned Matt Letizia there about uh, being a glue bag because he is a complete no, glue bag just, I don't want to ruin him on the night I think that'll do us then for uh, for this week's the first show of the week anyway until we were back on Thursday so I don't know. Everyone happy enough? Anything else to add into the podcast? He's all good. Fox Spurs. Thought I had that. <laughs> Cronky out. Cronky out. That's right. Cronky out over Mars in. <laughs> right, folks. I think that'll do us then. Um, anyone that's watching the video will see all the links underneath. But if you're listening to the podcast, thanks very much. Uh, catch all of our stuff on our social media channels at Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can also get us on all your podcast apps. Just look for the Football Bible Pod and you'll find us there. Brenton, the Patreon link. Patreon.com forward slash Football Bible. Anything you can donate at all to the Patreon will be brilliant. It's one pound a month. So if you want to give us a pound for Christmas, fair in. Uh, it is the spirit and all that. Like uh, Good things to all good men, isn't it, or something? I don't know what that term is, but good things to all good babbles. So, yeah, uh, whatever you can spur, go on to the Patreon link and donate if you want to. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Rizo, I know you're a referee, by the way. I hope I didn't offend you. I don't want to hear your refereeing opinions on football. I just want to hear your football opinions. Go and fuck yourself. Speaking of Rizo, he is doing unbelievably in that fantasy league. I was looking at his team. He's in the top. Is he in the top hundred or so in, in Northern Ireland anyway? That's because he's, he's an he's an absolute genius. The boy's a genius. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so, he, yeah. He breaks it down um mathematically. He does. I think. He does Money indeed. Ball. I spent a coffee morning with him and he broke it down mathematically for me. And I was like, Yeah, he's playing four D chess here and I'm just winging it like so you know, whatever. <laughs> You're gonna win it. Good luck. But uh, folks, thanks for listening. Um, myself and Johnny will possibly see you on Thursday night. Good luck. Steve out. <laughs>